Welcome to the Coach J Podcast. My name is Chad Dubin. Coming up shortly will be the interview that we conducted on site on the road at the Ohio State University on July 7th with the head wrestling coach at Ohio State, Tom Ryan. Very gripping, uh, powerful interview where Coach Ryan opens his heart up to uh, his search, his search for the truth. So I hope you enjoy the interview coming up. If you're not familiar with the Coach J organization, it's a nonprofit organization. There's a lot of great information that you can find on the CoachJ.org website. That's Coach J, the letter J, dot org website. Our purpose and our mission is to just open up your heart and start um, possibly planting seeds of thoughts of a relationship and what that looks like with God, a relationship with Jesus, uh, maybe to further your relationship and your development, and motivate you in your relationship. But uh, that's really what we're trying to do, and that's uh, why we set the organization up, is not to share the episodes and not to have likes and not to have followers, but to help you. If you're listening to this interview and there's questions that you have, please go to the CoachJ.org website, reach out. We'll be glad to talk to you, be glad to try to guide you and help you and maybe provide some mentorship to your uh, introduction or your ongoing relationship to the greatest life coach since the beginning of time. That's Jesus Christ. So thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy this interview with Tom Ryan and God bless. Okay. Welcome to the coach J podcast show. This is Chad Dubin. I am here at the uh, beautiful, beautiful new facilities at Columbus, Ohio, the Cavelli center with the head wrestling coach at the uni- the Ohio state university. Uh, Tom Ryan. Tom, thank you for joining us on the uh, podcast. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, good to be with you. Yeah, appreciate you taking the trek over. Yes, it's awesome. So last time I was here was the old facility, and this is just incredible. Like, can you just kind of tell everybody a little bit about like how excited you are to be in here, and when, when did you guys move in and all that? Yes, I remember. I know we talked this briefly, but you came over for that Penn State-Ohio State football game with your son. Uh, we were at Steelwood Training Center, which was about – maybe a mile and a half off campus. It was in a warehouse. Um, Ohio State Wrestling was in that facility for maybe 20 years uh, or so. Um, uh, and Coach Hellickson had that, had that uh, redone, uh, that space redone. Coach before me, <clears throat> um, great man, legendary right wrestler, mm-hmm. uh, coach here. Uh, and then we, we got in here just before COVID hit. So that was our first year in this facility. So we spent a lot of time in maybe 14 or 15, 2015, we started to plan out and fundraise for this complex. Got the money raised. A bunch of people stepped up, uh, got the, got the money raised. And then, and then we were building this thing. And I spent most of my afternoons eating lunch right outside this place, watching them put it up. So <laughs> really blessed. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of close friends helped. Um, some some alumni, just great donors, and yeah. and uh, built it's about a ten million dollar. The whole place is about fifty, but the wrestling piece of it, you know, we're connected to the to the competition venue, which is nice. Yeah. But we're really blessed to be in here. So it's been a couple of years now, uh, and we're enjoying it. Yeah. So for anybody <laughs> listening that's not a wrestling fan uh, or college wrestling fan, uh, Coach Ryan was a uh, NCAA champion at the University of Iowa. He graduated in 90... 1992, I graduated. I was actually third and second. Yeah. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I lost a heartbreaker to uh, Pat Smith. That's right. In the final <laughs> short seconds of the match. So, okay. uh, yeah. Wow. So that's, that, that nice. may be the biggest uh, foot in mouth uh, that I've no had. On any interview. I tried to win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, anyhow, Tom had an incredible career at the University of Iowa. Went on to coach, I think, if I read it, for a year at uh, Indiana. Yep, I was at IU. met my wife at IU. was there for a couple of years, two years. And then uh, Hofstra opened up. Yeah, then you had an incredible, uh, really a lot of success at Hofstra. And then you came to Ohio State in 2006. Yep, 2006. And I was just kind of going through the stats because I'm not a big wrestling statistician guy. But you've placed in the top 10 for the Ohio State University three, 13 times, I think, or something yep, like yep, that. And you've been NCAA champions in 2015 and six times in the top two or three in the country. And so just an incredible uh, uh, career here so far at Ohio State. Um, so anyhow, if you're not familiar with Coach Ryan, he's an uh, extremely accomplished wrestler and, and coach, and we're going to get into uh, some of that stuff. So just want to give a little background. Um, one of the things before we get into, you know, kind of the guts of, of the Coach Jay show, I was just kind of walking around here as we were trying to find each other in this big, beautiful facility. You've got a lot of really interesting messaging in the lobby. And, um, you know, you, it doesn't specifically use the words God or Jesus, but I get the feel that there's some faith based messaging there. Did you have a little part of that or what's what's the deal with that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Everything about the facility uh, is a reflection of our belief system. So, you know, we don't have too many things in there uh, that, that uh, we have nothing here that doesn't align with our belief system. So, uh, like you said, they're not straight out scripture, but, but uh, uh, the foundational piece of why those things are on the walls are things that, that uh, he taught, that Jesus taught. So you can put them up in a, in, a, in, a, in a safe way. You don't need to put the scripture up there, but you can... You know, you can eloquently define what the scripture was telling us. And did that's what did, I put did you have some creative uh, abilities with that? Like, were oh, yeah, you all able us. To, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like you, I'm not just you. I mean, yeah, the coaching no, my, staff. my staff, uh, mentors, right, people that, that I lean on. Uh, yeah, all of it, even from the design of the facility, the university was fantastic. Gene Smith, the athletic director, was very open to the layout of the facility, what we wanted in it. I mean, from start to finish, our staff was, uh, was, was kept – uh, more than in the loop on how this place would be laid out. And then all of the signage, where we put what, how we recognize, you know, or some of our legends, you know, was all, uh, was all, you know, um, the, 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 the work of our staff. And again, people that, you know, I, I, I lean on. Yeah. Well, just from being down in the lobby and reading kind of the mission statement and the culture and seeing the different things, it's, uh, it was really cool to see that as opposed to, a lot of facilities have really cool quotes from Vince Lombardi and different guys, which are really, really good. But yeah. to see kind of that messaging is really cool. And we'll get into a little bit of that, of the success that you guys have had and the impact that, you know, God has maybe had on, on the culture of the program. Um, one of the mainstays of what I feel like um, coach, the Coach Day podcast is – with the guest is their relationship with God and their relationship with Jesus and really the history of that. I don't think a lot of people that don't people that don't know God or don't know Jesus don't realize that there's no like certain way that things happen, that everything develops a certain way for everybody. It's so unique from everyone I've talked to. Can you share, you know, kind of from your 
childhood growing up through today, you know, how that relationship may have started, not started, started and stopped, whatever your experience has been. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say, you know, not everyone is blessed to grow up in a home that, that, that I was, uh, you know, or in a, in a, in a community that I was right. I, I don't take it lightly, uh, of the people and the surroundings that I was placed there. Right. It was not, not, none of my doing. It just happened to be who mom and dad were. Hmm. And then the community that I was in, a guy across the street was a four ten miler, amazing family out of high school. Guy down the street, amazing family. Like all my buddies were just really solid people, solid families. Um, so really fortunate. Um, mom, uh, mom and dad separated when I was in first grade. Mm. Mom got remarried, married a, a great, great man named Sal. Uh, he had four kids. Mom had three. My father, my biological father, was always in my life. A big believer, I think he gave me more than more than he gave me a lot of things. But the number one thing my father gave me was belief, mm. right? He always believed in me. Um, but it was hard. You know, the, the first tough thing for me was just you know mom and dad, you know, just not being together in the house. But mom had a really great guy. Like I say he had four children. Mom had three. We were like the Brady Bunch plus one, <laughs> and we were raised Catholic. So mom, you know, we were we were um, you know baptized, communion, confirmation, and God was God was there. I mean, I never had a, a relationship with him, didn't really quite understand it, but uh, there was always this sense, right? I never walked around thinking that, you know, there's not a God. It really, I really didn't get too much of a thought about it. But um, so went to church every Sunday, kicking and screaming, you know, for the most part, uh, and then went to college at Syracuse. You know, I, I signed a scholarship to wrestle at Syracuse. My older brother, Frank, uh, was at Syracuse, uh, and that's where I went. I really wanted to go deep down, uh, wanted to go to the University of Iowa. Um, I spent summers there training there, but they never called. I wasn't good enough, right? So I went to Syracuse, and I was happy at Syracuse for two years. And faith was kind of dwindling. You know, I would say a little bit. You get into college, and I was focused on wrestling, and there's some of the things that are in college that aren't really available when mom says you're home at 11, right? You can stay out a little bit later. Um, uh I got involved a little bit with Athletes in Action, but some things were said to me at that time. Uh, they were right, but I wasn't ready huh. to hear them. Uh, they were dead accurate. Um, and because of my you know, lack of being ready to hear some of the things that I was being told, I kind of just moved away from it. And uh, you know, ultimately, I ended up leaving Syracuse. I go to I transfer to the University of Iowa. Faith still not really you know, a part of my life, even though a lot of my teammates had really strong faiths. Uh, you know, the Steiners, really strong faith. The Brands Brothers had really strong faith. It wasn't something that we really talked about. We didn't have Bible studies or anything like that. But I knew these people were faithful. And I could tell by the way they lived their life that they were pretty unique people. Um, you know, they, 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 managed to, they managed to veer away from just the real challenges that we have as men. Uh, so, you know, life goes on. I graduate from the University of Iowa. I get a job in Indiana. I meet my wife there. Uh, we start having children. I get a head coaching job at a really young age. I was 24 when I got my first head coaching job at Hofstra. I go back home. I was from Hofstra. Faith really never part of my life. I'm, I'm busy building a team. I'm busy raising kids. But life was great. Like, life was really good, I thought, right? I mean, things were going well. My team's doing well. My marriage is pretty good. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. Um, children are doing great. We have four kids. Lynn and I have four kids. And then, you know, the, 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 the line in the sand that I think 
most people, you know, some are just raised in a faithful home and they carry it through. And But a lot of the people that I've been around, there's been something that just truly rocks them. There's a moment. There's It's a buildup. Uh, it's either a buildup or there's a moment. And for me, it was a moment. And the, and the, and when, when I gave more thought to how I got here was February 16, 2004, February 16, 2004, I was coaching for nine years at the time at Hofstra and it was the loss. It was the sudden loss of my five-year-old son Teague at the dinner table. And that's, that's when life really began for me, I would say, Mm. um, uh, he was, you know, he's a five-year-old healthy kid. It was President's Day. It was President's Day. Uh, all my kids were with me that day. Gave my wife a break. You know, President's Day it was a Monday, so there was no school. They were with me all day. Uh, we had a fantastic day. We got home around six o'clock at night. We're having dinner, and he's chosen to shower first after dinner. And he gets up from the table and starts running around the house. My wife's chasing him, and we're laughing. Get him, get him. And uh, she picks him up, and. I can say emphatically, right, nothing I'm saying is to confuse anybody or embellish anything. But when she lifted him, I felt an overwhelming sensation. It was almost like a strong breeze hit me. And I remember thinking his head was kind of dangling a bit. She was, she was cradling him. And a mother is a master, right? They're master cradlers. So she's carrying him to the back of the house. And I remember thinking, wow, that was just weird. And I was going to tell her, watch his neck. But, you know, like I said, mothers are experts in carrying kids. That wouldn't have got me anywhere. So she gets to the back of the house, and we're still all at the table, my three children and I, and she starts screaming. Mm. So I run to the back of the house, and I grab Teague, and I put him on the coffee table. And my family's surrounding the coffee table, which is kind of in the center of the house. And I noticed his eyes were gone. I couldn't see his eyes. They were rolled back in his head. I tried to find a pulse. I couldn't find a pulse. I started doing CPR. My wife called 911, and about 14 minutes had gone by before the ambulance arrived. They ran in the house, uh, actually walked in the house. Uh, I, I, I saw them, we had a big bay window, I saw them walking up the driveway. You know, I, Now looking back, it's like, you know, how many times are they called emergency? Right. It's, you know, there's no need to run. So anyway, so, so they grab, they grab a T, they run some tests, code blue, code blue, they throw, they run, now they run them down to the ambulance. A neighbor had come over, stayed with us. My kids, my wife and I jump in the car. We're following the ambulance. And right now it's like the unthinkable. And we're looking, you know, in the, in the windows. I, I'm following the ambulance. I'm looking in the windows and I can see them working on them in the two by two foot, you know, glass mm-hmm. windows that, you know, in the back of every ambulance. So what happens at this moment, we have probably about a 15 minute ride to the, to the, uh, to the uh, hospital. But two things happen. The first thing is I called my older brother. And said, listen, something happened to He just fell over. He's unconscious. He's heading to uh, Mount Sinai Hospital. Uh, and then the second thing that happened is my wife and I just started to pray together. Hmm. And, I mean, quite honestly, we, we were married at that point for, what, nearly 10 years and had never really prayed together. Uh, we were just busy raising, living. We were busy living, raising a family. Hmm. And, and uh, it wasn't that God, we, 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 we excommunicated God. We did. But it was never knowingly. It wasn't never, I'm mad at God. There is no, there was none of that. But we were just busy couple trying to live life and raise our family. So um, we get to the ER. My family starts to gather. We're there about an hour and a half. And we're in the lobby. And I remember the surgeon coming out, uh, the ER doc coming out. And, you know, Lynn and I remember when we were holding hands 
and everyone was around us and he, he just said, listen, we're sorry, we, we lost him. And it was like, you know, there really are no words to express, you know, a father losing his five-year-old son. That was really close to me. I mean, I spent a lot of time with him. He traveled on trips with me. He was just starting school. And before that, I would take him on wrestling trips and mm-hmm. we'd stay in the hotel together. And, you know, he, you know, he was, we were really close. Um, and uh, so, the, so, you know, you're rocked beyond words. And now I got to drive home. And I remember I would say it's the longest drive of my life. My wife, we got to get in the car. We had to drive home and there's three kids there. Teague was five. My daughter Mackenzie was three. Uh, Jake was eight. Uh, and Jordan was 11. So we had three boys and a girl, Jordan, the oldest, Jake, and then Teague and Mackenzie. And we got to go home and without their brother, right? So we, we pull in the driveway. And, you know, typically when the dad comes home at that age, kids are at that age, they're excited to see you, you know, as they get older, they're not as excited. But at that point, I pulled the driveway. As soon as I opened the car door, Jake, uh, Jake McKenzie and Jordan are at the car door and they're looking. And this is for me the moment I remember this question. This moment for me was when I really started to move toward, I need to figure this out. So he, Jake, an eight-year-old, right, asked, and I've been told by many really wise people, the most important gift a man has given is common sense. And an eight-year-old just used common sense, and he asked me, he said, where's T? That's the question he asked. And the crazy thing was I was 36 at the time, leading people. I've been leading people for, well, 12 years, and any of the high school years and my college team. I didn't know where he was. And the reality is all I knew, right, was that dinner would, would, would have, you know, one less person at it, right? That's all I knew was that he wasn't here. I didn't know where he was. But it was that question that really, and I couldn't answer it. And then, you know, and, and you look back as a father and it's like, it's like, I could have answered, listen, if he would have told me, give me the top 10 recruits in the country, tell me the tendencies of every guy on your team, tell me the trends and, and lesser strengths of every guy on your team, you know, tell me, you know, about the truck you bought. Why'd you buy that truck? Hmm. You know, tell me the bed you're sleeping in, the sneakers you bought. Like, this is why I did these things. I couldn't tell him where he was. And that's, you know, the only word that comes to mind for me is pathetic. A lot of people tried to reach me during this 36 years. I was just too busy to hear it, too busy living my life. Um, and I needed to hear it. You know, I needed to hear it. So, so that's when the real, real life began for me. Hmm. Uh, February 16, 2004, that night, it was around 9.30 p.m. in my driveway when my second son asked me where he is. And that became, that became the, the underlying uh, Mission, deep, priceless, priceless, right? Definition, Webster's definition of priceless, so precious, its value cannot be determined. Where he was, was without question the most important thing in my life. Hmm. So I took a piece of paper and on one side wrote God, on the other side wrote no God. I, to me, it seemed it was very logical. Either, either there's a creator or there's not. Uh, and and I was going to figure out whether what was real. It was no more... You're going to Catholic church because mom wants you to. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna follow this this way because mom and dad want you to. It was, it was. I'm a grown man now, and I'm not gonna believe because my pastor believes or my neighbors or my, you know, my buddy's parents. I'm gonna believe because I'm gonna do what he say, right? You say not to. Don't put them to the test, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig in and look for evidence. I'm gonna look for evidence in whether or not there's a God. And that's what I did. And, uh, 
I started uh, with a guy named Greg Truns came to my son's funeral. Greg was a wrestler. Uh, Greg also lost a daughter uh, to brain cancer mm-hmm. at a very, very young age. So Greg was, I only wanted to be around people that were in pain or had experienced deep pain. Mm-hmm. I was not, I did not want to be around or talk to anybody that could not relate to what I was going through. Mm-hmm. Whether right or wrong is just a mindset that I had. I wanted to, I completely moved toward people that suffered. And I call it now, right, unchosen suffering. I wrote a book called Chosen Suffering, which you and I know very well. It's the things that we do in life that are very difficult. Some of them good for us, some of them not good for us, but they're, they're a choice, right? You chose to walk on at Penn State. I chose to walk on at the University of Iowa, right? But those were difficult things. We took a lot of beatings, right? But we chose them. It's chosen suffering. And then there's unchosen. And unchosen was this. I did not ask for it. I would have gladly, right, gladly taken his place, right? There's nothing I wouldn't have done to save him, but I couldn't. Um, so this journey was, okay, I started moving toward people that suffer deeply. And, and what was it that they found? And I read about people that suffer deeply. And what was it that they found? And I read about people that believed in evolution. I went to the, you know, I'm a 25 ACT. I moved toward people that were in the 30s, the high 30s. Like, what can, is my brain, can my brain miss something that someone else's brain's not going to miss? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I met with Greg. I started meeting with Greg. And like I said, Greg was a wrestler, lost his daughter. He also, ironically, he was the owner of the facility that my team used a lot for dinners. I didn't know he was the owner. Hmm. We never knew each other until I lost Teague. And he wrote, he, he gave me a book. He left a book at the funeral called Someday Heaven. It's called Someday. It was a child, children's book. And he wrote in it. You know, I am Greg. You know, I, I'm the owner of the Swan Club. Uh, I wrestled in high school. I know your team's been here. But uh, you know, I also lost a daughter to brain cancer. If you want to meet, give me a call. Mm. So after about two, two weeks of deep mourning, uh, deep, deep mourning, I called him and I met with him. I started meeting with him in the mornings and he started to just flood me with information, mm. books. And, and, and at the time, it was cassette tapes. And, <laughs> you know, and uh, instead of listening to rock and roll, I had a 45-minute drive back and forth to work. Uh, I started to listen to gain knowledge right i gain knowledge is it am i an, am i a complete moron to think this is some magical being in the sky right uh or or could there be right could there be i'm going to keep my brain where it is i'm going to use it and i'm going to gather information and i'm going to make a decision so he was flooding me with information i was meeting with him in the mornings like i said i was watching lots of films on evolution and some of the gaps in evolution and at the end of about a year it was about a year I remember dropping to my knees and just saying, my list, there are things in evolution that evolution is real. There are, there are things in evolution that make no sense. Uh, but I couldn't find, and I, I, I read a lot of Lee Strobel. So Lee was an atheist. I don't know if you're familiar with Lee, but Lee was the guy that really, Lee, Lee's the guy that more than any writer led me to Christ. I read a lot of Rick Warren, um, uh, um, a lot, a lot of Lee Strobel. Obviously, I read John. John in, in Scripture, war, I mean, it, that blew me away. I mean, the warmth and the love, really, really love is what pulled me in ultimately. Uh, the love, when I was reading John in my room, I was just overwhelmed with this sense of love. Like, who would do this? Who would allow their... I would, I would have gladly take, taken Teague's place. Who would allow their son? I mean, who would know, knowingly? So it's the deepest, the deepest love. Um, 
The Case for Christ uh, was a book that really moved me. Lee Strobel was top of Yale Law School, this brilliant mind, atheist that's going to prove his wife's nuts, you know, and that she's believing in something that's, that's just so far-fetched. And, you know, he, take, he pours his life and just, you know, travels the world and, and, and you know, questions biblical scholars and is it could it be and at the end of his book right you know he drops to his knees right he he went from you know being the one that was going to show her to being the one that was shown and then he wrote the case for faith which helped me a lot which is you know a lot of bad things happen to good people you know since becoming a, a believer i've seen some things that are so painful to human beings uh um and you know, where's god in that yeah right where's god in that the case for faith really answers a lot of those deep questions that people have and we just we can't wrap our minds around it so i went to people that had spent their life thinking about it and wrote about it and it it's it it settled it settled the questions that i had so anyway about a year into my journey um it became overwhelmingly clear that jesus lived he said he was the son of god and there's plenty of evidence that backs it up i don't have to be viewed as a complete knucklehead uh, because of the evidence, the absolute evidence that it's true. Uh, so like I said, I dropped on my knees and, and, uh, life hasn't been without, uh, challenges since, but man, I live with a lot of peace. Uh, I would have, I would, I don't know if my family and my life would be where it is now if I hadn't become a believer, but I can tell you what it is now. The only thing I know is what I know Mm -hmm. and that bringing Christ into my life uh, has helped. When you dropped to your knees, do you remember like what did you say a prayer? Oh, yeah. Do you remember or just yeah, you know, right you know, where do you I was. What you said? I was right outside Welsh Ryan Arena. Hmm. It was uh, it was the Junior World Team Trials being held out at Northwestern, and and uh, the year before, my son was with me. Oh. My son was in the corner giving the guys the water between <laughs> periods. You know, Teague. You know, I remember we had a Sunday, and you know, for a kid that age at four, he was four at the time. You get a Sunday in a hotel room with your dad, and you're swimming in the pool at the hotel, and it's like. There's nothing better, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, just, I can't do this without you. Yeah. I'm in too much pain. I, I cannot do it without yeah. you. And uh, please come into my life. You know, please, I, I, I need you. I need you. And the, and the crazy thing, right? We, we know this. His hand was always there. Like, he didn't say, hey, man, I tried to reach you 20 times. I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> you know, your, your time's up. You know, yeah. I fell so many times and did so many things that, that were outside, right? That was, that was how many years ago? Uh, it was February 16, 2004, so it was 2005. Yeah. 2005, so 17 years ago, I surrendered my life to, to Christ. And, you know, I know a lot of men that live lives and, and uh, that don't know him and, and uh, you know, wish they did. Yeah. But I don't know anybody. I don't I haven't met a man that knows him and wishes they didn't. You know, I've yet to meet someone that, man, you know, I know this, this you know, God guy and uh, Jesus and man, I wish I would have never yeah. come across. Well, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. And that's you know? I never really thought about that. Yeah, I just I never met one, you know. But I met a lot of people that just struggle. Life's hard, man. Temptations are real. Yes, yeah, so that was uh, yeah. seventeen years. Seventeen. Yeah, and so you're you're you feel like your relationship and understanding and you know it's gone stronger. It's, it's, it's stronger and stronger. Yeah. yeah. So here here's a question because I always ask myself this, but what would have been different? in your career at Iowa, mm-hmm. knowing what you know now about having God in your heart I mean, yeah. you, having a relationship with Christ, the way that you do and how it's continuing to grow. 
What, yeah. what would have been different? Do you I mean, think? yeah, you know, the crazy thing is I think, I think there's a misconception, you know, that Christians are stuffy and boring and it's like, man, mama, my life's incredible. Like my life is incredible. The things that my, I belief system, the things that, the things that, and I write out my, I believes and I write out my, I am's and I write out my, I love twos and I make sure my life's full of those things. Right. Mm. I love to bike. I love, I love to climb, uh, steep cliffs and look over the edge of them, right? I just love beauty, right? So um, looking back at my life in college, I would have said, listen, I lost in the last 30 seconds. I don't know why, right? I wasn't tired, but, but I lost. But I could look back and say, look, through my college years, I did some things that had I really had better guardrails. I, I, I wasn't a heathen, right? But there were just some things in my life that, that would have given me just a better chance, mm. right? A better chance. That's all. No, no, it doesn't guarantee anything, right? I mean, I've been a believer for 17 years. People that I'm close to are suffering, right? It's, it's still happening, but, but, but there's no, I could say emphatically, no question that my chances, your chance of living your best life is better when you have guardrails. And that's all he's saying. I love you. Hmm. I love you. I care about you. There's nothing I love more than you. There's not, and, and here are just some parameters that if you stay inside these parameters, your chance of living a fruitful life is better. And here's the thing. When you don't, when you don't, I still love you. <laughs> right? Yeah. But it's just, it's, it, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing so, con, there's nothing condemning and there's, you know, about it. So I, I'm reading a book now uh, called uh, uh, Submission and Authority. And it was given to me by a guy named Craig Morgan, who's uh, Craig's a, a supporter of the program, faithful, faithful man, uh, knows Christ. And and the, the line that's t- t- to this point, Neam Kim, I think is the name of the author. I got it. My my, uh, I'm on page ten because it's like reading scripture. It's so slow. <laughs> I mean, it's so deep. Every, but the one this line just hit me so hard. You know, because because you and I, I was like, I want to be feared as a wrestler. You know, I want to be so res- respected, feared, like, um. And, and as a college athlete, you know, wrestling, it was like, I, I, I want people to always remember, right, the tension they were under during the seven minutes they wrestled me. Win or lose. Like, mm-hmm. that was, a, I don't know if I'm going to win or lose, but I want them to always remember that, hey, that was, this guy really cared about what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And I felt it. Yeah. Right? So this book talks about uh, submission authority, just about the line that is, I, I want to be a man that is feared by the devil, hmm. right? I want to be a man that's feared by Satan because, because as a Christian, it's easy to, it's a lot easier to say all the things that I believe and I do believe them, but there's a gap often between a belief system and the action behind it. Hmm. There's a gap and that's called an integrity gap, right? And our, and our objective in life is to be around people that will call us out lovingly, or call truth and love, lovingly between this is what you're saying, this is what you're doing, yeah. right? There's a gap there. How can we close it? And when I think of those words like, whoa, whoa, because Satan's not afraid. He's not afraid. And if there's good, there's bad, right? If there's, there's evil. There's evil in the world. Yeah. We see it all the time, yeah. right? There's no explanation for someone shooting up a 4th of July parade other than evil, Right? Um, so, so it was, 
I want to be a man that lives his life in a way that evil is fearful of. Yeah. And it's not talking about being this type of a guy, right? Is you got to live it because he knows, he knows whether you're, you're saying it and doing it or not. Right. Right. So, so that for me has been, has been, so it's a constant growth at 17 years in and you know, the world wants my eyes and the world wants my attention and the world wants me to be focused on how many likes I get in a post and mm. all these things that really, uh, God does care, could care less about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Wow. We could probably end here. That was a really incredible story. And I just uh, appreciate you sharing that from your heart. Powerful. I wanted to talk a little bit about, and I've gotten to know one of your most, I think, famous wrestlers, Kyle Snyder. Yeah who had an incredible career and he also was one of the episodes we did here, but he spoke a lot about the culture of faith. I know it's still prevalent now, but he really, um, he gave a lot of credit to that when you guys won the national championship. Do you, I mean, how much was Jesus a part of that title? Do you think? Well, I mean, Kyle is just an extraordinary leader. Right. I mean, Kyle, I mean, you know, you, you, you heard his story, right? He went out to the training center, was around men that were great wrestlers. And it was the fact that they were great wrestlers that attracted them. And then he gets there and they're great wrestlers. Oh, but they're men of Christ. Right. Um, which is the beauty in wrestling, right? Young people are attracted to great wrestlers and then they get to know you. And it's like, wow, I can really impact you now. Huh. Your high crotch got better, but man, your souls, right? <laughs> your soul. So uh, he was just a great leader. And yeah, there was a lot of guys in our team that were, you know, Joey McKenna and Jordans and, you know, just a handful of people that were the foundational piece of the program. And, you know, it's like you said earlier, it's like, it was like, Hey God, you know, Hey, they're really, they're, they're, they're studying more than, you know, than Iowa state college or Oklahoma state. They're studying where I'm going to bestow them you know, with this national title. The bottom line is that these men were living really clean mm. self, you know, intrinsically motivated people that were living clean lives and, and they connected on that level and they fought for each other. You know, and, you know, yeah. And in, in 15, you know, we, we had a faithful teams in other years that didn't win. Right. Yeah, but yeah. there's no question that, you know, that was a team that, you know, had a, had a, had a, you know, a strong, a strong group of guys that, that lived very, very organized lives, you know. How has your relationship with God helped you? become a better coach. Yeah, I think it's made me more cerebral. I was I was a pretty intense uh you know uh guy, you know, coming out of Iowa and coaching at Hofstra, you know, went from we were the champions to you know a team that was really struggling to win a dual meet. You know, and uh uh faith is really I I think it's transformed me. First and foremost, it's transformed me, right? I mean, right. It's, it's saying you, know, you can't lead anybody further than you can lead yourself, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of it, and wrestling is very much this way, intrinsically looking in the mirror, right? It wasn't the quarterback's fault. The guy missed the field goal. This, this is my, it's my, it's really it's my fault. Uh, so it's made me uh, a lot more, uh, I think, cerebral, no less intense in some ways, but just a lot more of a thinker and, you know, waiting for the right moments to coach people rather than when I want to coach them. 
Hmm. You know, if they're not looking, they'll sing. If they're not looking your way, you know, your wife's walking out the door, but you're still yelling at her. You know, it's like, Malcolm, she wasn't listening 10 minutes ago. <laughs> what makes you think she's still listening? You know, so the old, are they facing you? You know, just being very aware, you yeah. know, being aware of when the moments are and mm-hmm. are they looking your way? You know, I didn't look God's way for a long time. At 36, I looked his way and look what happened. Yeah. You know, so long for many years, my back was turned to him and it didn't matter how many people came my, my way with Bibles and, in scripture, I just wasn't looking that way. Hmm. And until I was, I wasn't really ready to grow. So I think just being aware of, 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 you know, some of those things and just having deeper, you know, we were here to connect many, many men <clears throat> are alone. You know, I think loneliness is scary. You know, we, we learned that deep, deep, deeply in COVID, yeah. right? Just not connecting. Right? We're here to connect yeah. with each other. Uh, men aren't that good at it. You know, we kind of go in our cave when, you know, when, so just connecting more with my guys. I meet with them weekly. Yeah. Uh, we have conversations, leadership conversations every week in the mornings with all my freshmen now, uh, twice a month with my upperclassmen. But just connecting with them, getting to know them beyond the wrestling level. You know, ultimately in these meetings, who cares how good your high crotch is, you know, but your single leg, your technique. Let's talk about deeper things. And <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I think it's, 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 well, I don't think, I know it's been a, been a real blessing. Um, when you're, when you're recruiting and even obviously with an RTC here and those coaches, your own assistant coaches, just your staff with the people that you're, you're in charge of, how much do you look at, you know, um, their faith? Some, does it come into play? Like, let's take recruiting. Does that come into play at all? You, you know, you really like this kid and yeah. got great accolades. He's really, I mean, I don't, you know, yeah. I, I, I know that you don't make decisions to say, well, I'm only going to recruit sure. Christian kids. I know sure. that's not what you do. I'm just wondering right. though, that is it, yeah. is it a factor? Yeah. I think what's a factor is that, so I have my beliefs on my phone, my belief system and every decision I make should be bounced right off of that belief system. Mm-hmm. So that is the guardrail that that you know there's the parameters that i'll recruit inside of and there are times when look it's challenging right it's like hold a second this dude can wrestle (laughs) you know and and you bounce it off your belief system they may have they may have maybe an incident in high school that you would say is is a is a red flag but now i just go i go deeper i go deeper you know talk about it okay you had this situation is it was it an outlying situation what um uh, so, so we, we absolutely, it is, it is, I would say I'll be lying if I didn't say it is, it is, uh, calming. It is calming to me as a coach. If I, if I learn that a prospect does have a belief system, you know, has a, has a faith because it gives me a sense of, listen, this, this, this young man has, the world is tough. Yeah. It's tough here at Ohio state. There's beautiful women everywhere. There's bars open all night. Mm-hmm. They're right across from the dorm, <laughs> right? Um, uh, you've got the you've got the influence of the internet, which you and I never had, mm-hmm. right? They say now, right? The number one the number one influencer of a young person right now is social media. When you and I were growing up, the number one influencer was family. Number two, God. Yeah. God not God's way down now, <laughs> right? And so it's social media and peer group. Right. Those are the two biggest influences for young people. If you happen to be in an area where there's a weak peer group and, and you're on social media a lot, this, the, the cards begin to get stacked against you. Mm. 
you know, from the, from the get, from the, from the get go. Yeah. You know, so we've been really fortunate. This recruiting class is spectacular. And obviously I lean on my coaches a lot. We've back and forth communication. We do the old school model of thumbs up or thumbs down <laughs> at the same one, two, three, yes or no. So no one's influenced by my thinking right, right on choosing recruits. But, but, uh, I, I can't d- d- ignore that someone with faith, a belief system, yeah. is, is to me, is going to be a little safer than someone without one. Have you had an in- have, can you remember anyone that you, you took a chance on because, and, and, you know, I mean, you take chances on everyone. Yeah. You never know who you're going to get. Right. But yeah. you, has, have you had something where you felt like God saying, Hey, th- this, don't look at what what this kid's done. Oh yeah, and w- yeah. They can all wrestle that you're recruiting. Yeah, that you've taken a oh, shot yeah, on, yeah, and then you've yes. like, you know what he? Yeah, and you, I, and, you're and, feeling a little bit like God saying, "Hey, well done, Tom. Absolutely, thank you for giving him the love." A- absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And he's, you know, one of the leaders was a, um, an amazing leader here. But I went talked to him, the parents, talked to the coach, and I deeply trusted the coach. And he said, listen, man, this kid is a rock star. It was an outlying situation. He's an amazing human being. He's an amazing leader. Talk to some of his teammates. Love him. He'd do anything for anybody. Hmm. Servant. A real servant. And he ended up being a rock star. A great leader. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, recruiting is the name of the game, right? I mean, every time I get, I mean, I got Snyder, people thought I was a good coach. (laughs) so it's amazing how good we are as coaches when you get people that are deeply intrinsically motivated have talent take initiative they have emotional control yeah right they're aggressive uh i mean those are right some of the traits that we're looking for yeah you know willing to take chances you know so so you know we have kind of a we have a template of what we're looking for yeah and you know, we try to stay in, inside it, and you know, we you know we've used the SEAL model. We looked at Navy SEALs, and they mm. have their model. They have a they have a chart that shows high talent, low character, and in their in the SEAL manual, bold words: "Run from this person." Wow! Doesn't say like don't recruit, don't don't like run from. Super talented extremely low character constantly making poor decisions because they're so tempting for us look at his talent look how gifted they are Mm. and the reality is give me a guy with average talent incredible character i mean listen kyle snyder and kyle mckenna these guys are talented they're not elite like elite elite world-class athletes the guy's discipline i watched kyle this guy was journaling as a freshman Hmm. He, he was writing every night. This guy was so mature. Yeah. You know, and then it's like, look, I mean, look, I, I could say now, I mean, look, he loves the Lord. The Lord was the, is the centerpiece of his life. And who the heck, I'm an optimistic guy. I would have never, listen, I said Kyle Snyder would leave Ohio State a three-time national champion, two world Olympic gold medal. I mean, people would say, you're, you're nuts. Yeah. It's never happened. It ain't, he's going to have a great career. But I didn't know at the time when we recruited him. I, I saw things that I knew he could be a superstar, but even in my wildest imagination, he wouldn't leave Ohio state yeah. with that kind of success. But man, he had boundaries like were unbelievable. Yeah. You know, he told, I, he told an interesting story in his episode or his interview when he was a senior and he committed here. And I think you had emailed him and said, Hey, what are your goals? 
and he says he sent you back like I want to be a four-time national champ undefeated and go on to win a gold medal or something like that and he says your response was what about Jesus or where's God and all this yeah, right. I mean you knew that he had fa- had a yeah. relationship so I don't think you would throw that at someone you didn't yeah, know Yeah no no I knew he was I knew he was he went to a catholic school right, you know, right. Yeah. so I, it, he remembers that and he yeah. thought man that's it really shook him a little bit I don't know if you know that but he yeah. it, so it was really uh really inspiring to think about that when he was like so focused on all those yeah, well, he, yeah. earthly goals sure yeah sure that's good to know and yeah no it's he's he helped me a lot too you know he, he called lead up this guy that guy led up wow you know yeah i've been coaching for a long time and he taught me a lot of things and yeah. so did other guys that I, i've coached but he was quite the example yeah so last last question and just what i i'd like to hear you know if you were in a room with you know look part of what i'm what i feel like i'm led to do is not this isn't a message for coaches or athletes to be like well let me find god so i can be a better coach and be a better athlete i know that's not what it is it's to be a better human be a better child of god first Mm -hmm. and that can lead to other things but if you were in a room with high school and you know college coaches let's just say talking to them and the question was you know why god Mm -hmm. how would you answer that to that group if they if you were asked and you had free speech on that well one i would say why not god right why not god uh, I would probably tell anybody that doesn't know him or at least here's the thing. I've had student athletes say to me, what if I, what if I look and I don't find mm. that is impossible. You know it. And I know it. If you deeply look, so I would, if you deeply look, it's you, you, you can't not find it. You cannot find him. He's there. He's real. Right. Mm. So I would say that if you're, if, if, if nothing has happened in your life that has dropped you to my to your knees, I would say my hope for you is that something does. Mm. My hope is that something in your life becomes so difficult that your will and your pride is broken, like mine was, mm. and that you dry, and then you you deeply, open heartedly, open heartedly, with no right preconceived thoughts. I'm just gonna. All I was searching for was truth. Like, I wasn't looking for Jesus. I was searching for the truth. Hmm. It wasn't like my mind was made up on, you know, February 16, 2000, where Jesus is real. I'm going to believe because I have to believe. I'm a strong person like you. If I didn't find, I'd like to say my life would be good. If I felt it, the information, the not, the, it's, just, it's ridiculous. Hmm. And I went the other direction. And hmm. I lived a life of believing that we're here by chance. Because yeah. those are the options. So I would say, look, here are your options, fellas. Number one, why not? Number two, if you haven't found yet, I hope something drops you to your knees. And that's hard to say to somebody. But I hope because, because that's what I needed. And then there's two options. There's only two. One is a God and one is not. And they do not coexist. Someone's right and someone's wrong. It's like two people can't wrestle a match and be in the gym, be on the way home in their cars calling their mom and saying, I won. <laughs> Unless you consider when is I tried my hardest. Someone had more points at the end of the match. So I would say to them, yeah, there's a, there, one of us is wrong. So there's a right and there's a wrong. And it's, and it's pour your life into it. That's the single most important question you're ever going to answer. Way more important than what job you're going to have. 
How many state titles are you going to win? How many state champs are you going to have? How many kids are you going to have? Where are you going to live? What kind of car are you going to drive? Not, no, nothing's more important than this question. Is God real or not? Awesome. We're going to wrap up with that. I love that. Thank you for uh, sharing all your thoughts and again just sharing your heart with us yeah thanks really, for coming i over, really man. appreciate thanks it coming from state college yeah we don't welcome too many state college <laughs> <laughs> well i'm originally from orlando florida so consider I know. me I know. friendly uh I know. friendly but thank you yeah. so much seriously coach ryan i appreciate yeah. it and just congrats on the beautiful facility and thanks. we'll be uh we'll be following you guys and and see how things are going so i appreciate thanks, it good to be with you. appreciate your work yeah thank you yeah. all right all right that's gonna wrap up the interview on the road at the Ohio State University with Coach Tom Ryan. Really enjoyed my time with uh, with Coach Ryan and um, just listening really to his testimony and his journey that he went on. And I hope that if you listen to that interview, you uh, it moved you a little bit in some way and in a positive way and in a way that you can uh, know that it's okay to search for the truth. And um, if you've got questions, if you've got uh, something that you feel like is uh, pulling at you and your heart, please, uh, the reason that we are recording these episodes is to help you. So go to the Coach J, letter J, CoachJ.org website, CoachJ.org website. There's a lot of other episodes on there. There's a lot of good information, and uh, we'd be glad to, uh, to talk to you. It's very easy to contact us. Just go to the website and all the information's on there and we'd be glad to help you out with any questions that you've got. We appreciate you tuning in to the Coach J Podcast and wish you all the best. God bless.